Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Rewind, the podcast that rewatches, reviews, and responds to every movie, show, and one shot in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm Alicia Thayer. I'm Al Rodriguez. And I'm Tony Camarena. And in this episode, we are covering Season 1, Episode 4 of Agent Carter, The Blitzkrieg Button. Original air date, January 27th, 2015. Alrighty, let's get the summary out of the way. Peggy may be in more trouble than usual when fugitive Howard Stark suddenly returns for mysterious reasons. And Chief Dooley chases a new clue all the way to Europe that threatens to destroy Peggy's future at the SSR. Dun, dun, dun! Dun, dun. <laughs> I paused it, this time. I remembered last time we had an issue with that, so I had to make sure. I appreciate that. I really do. <laughs> I do have a problem with the summary, though. Does the um, Chief Dooley's trip to Europe really hurt peggy no i kind of think maybe like it has the potential right so i I think the issue is he gets some um i don't want to say evidence but he gets some more information that kind of puts howard stark in a bad light and Mm -hmm. so if things like if they ever find out what peggy's doing like it kind of seems more like okay it's more evidence of him being bad and so she would be you know, kicked out or jailed or whatever, whatever would happen to her. I don't, I don't really know, but that, that's all I got. That, that's it. Okay. Fair. It's just like, I mean, everyone in here is a bad agent. They're not even suspecting Peggy of anything. So I'm a little yeah. iffy about whether it really would put her in danger unless the guy in Germany or Europe said literally Peggy Carter did this. And they think, Hmm, maybe Peggy's a suspect. That's true. There, there have been enough close calls already. Yeah. Right. All right. Cool. Well, let's go ahead and jump into this. So this episode had four very distinct story sections. So we're just going to separate all those uh, out. And we're going to start with the main story section, the, the one Carter is involved at least. And it starts uh, right at the beginning of the episode, that very first scene. And we see uh, Jarvis, uh, how I like to say, quote unquote, undercover. Uh, buying something from uh, creepy guys in a creepy setting. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I got very um, Batman nineteen eighty nine vibes with the guys in the alley <laughs> and Peggy and the um, in the shadows and you know Batman eighty nine has like the faux like forties feel with that guy going hey you guys we's gonna beat you up. Mm-hmm. So I felt like this was Peggy's channeling Batman. Yeah, she was definitely striking from the dark, too. Mm-hmm. So, that would have been great if she had a mask during that time, you know, trying to not get caught, you know, doing this thing, sneaking around. I feel like that would actually be really worthwhile to her, but but no? Okay. Yeah. The, the only person who, you know, is actually doing secretive stuff, unlike all the other heroes in the MCU. Right. <laughs> the, the only person who should be wearing a mask is definitely not wearing a mask. <laughs> uh-huh. were, were they just not an idea back then? Um, I'm trying to think who, like, we only had Cap, who was the only hero back then, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we don't know. Maybe Miss Marvel, but we don't know. Oh, Captain Marvel? No, she was in the 90s. Well, as far as we know. Right. She was in the 90s. Hank Pym was in the 60s. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I'm thinking even in the comics, like, Cap just had the helmet and then uh, the Human Torch and Namor didn't have masks. Well, the Human Torch was on fire. It's hard to 
recognize him. Great. <laughs> in the in the comics, I think Bucky had a mask, but in the movie, he didn't. So. Oh yeah. Also, Bucky was ten, so he had to be a secretive because he was an underage person in the military. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I I did want to call one thing out during uh during this scene. Um, so there. So Jarvis is is trying to like get something out of out of these you know creepy guys, and he's like, "All right, hey, we have the money that you asked for." And I forgot what the amount was. It was like fifty thousand or something. Something yeah, like that. Yeah, hundred... like... Oh, go ahead. No, I think it was fifty, and then they wanted an extra hundred. Yeah. So yeah. so I understand the whole you know we we've got the thing you want, and so they're trying to extort them out of that. Like, okay, give us extra. So Jarvis probably maybe thought ahead i'm not too sure i'm assuming he brought some extra money somewhere maybe mm-hmm. it's already in the briefcase we don't we don't know in very real thousand dollar bills right yes <laughs> but three times the amount in total like that's that's enough that that now jarvis is gonna probably actually have to leave and come back to get that mm-hmm. money like now now they're just wasting time it, it doesn't really seem worth it like i, I feel like like maybe if they asked for a hundred thousand instead of one hundred and fifty, like they they might have had a shot at it. But but right. no, this this is just bothering me. It's it's this part of the the bad guy's plan that that I don't like. Yeah, it's like they didn't these uh, numbskulls didn't think it through. I'm surprised. No, they didn't. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so that all happens. Carter then. Uh, Saves Jarvis, beats up the bad guys, and then they open the uh, the train car and they find their good buddy Howard Stark. Yippee! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Which I think we should have come to expect with him. I know it really bugs me that he's playing pool. Which no matter which way he was delivered by train or boat or whatever those uh, the balls would have been moving the whole time. Oh, yeah. It would have pissed me off. <laughs> he would have. Uh, he would never played as well as he was. Or he's playing a lot better than he usually is. (laughs) They're just falling into the pockets. (laughs) Fair enough. Maybe that's the challenge. Maybe the goal is he's like running around trying to get them to not fall into the pockets. Mm -hmm. Well, a little bit of a tangent. Uh, I used to work at a summer camp, as I think you both know. Mm-hmm. And we had a pool table in the um like the lodge where all the campers would stay, but the pool table was warped, so it was not even at all. And I played really well on that pool table. If I go to any other pool table that's flat, I am terrible at it. <laughs> <laughs> You're so maybe good it's like he got used to it. I'm good with. I know where the curves are on that one. All the flat, the flatness just throws me off. <laughs> Well, maybe that's what happened with him. Maybe he, like, he had all that practice. And did did they say where Howard Stark came from? Because last we knew he was like in Europe or somewhere, right? So did he just take the train all the way across? Yeah, I don't think they ever tell us exactly where he came from because they didn't want him being found, and he didn't want him being found. So okay. yeah, I thought he was in Europe too. Mm-hmm. But then, in my mind, he took a train all the way from Europe. I'm going with yeah, that. That's that's not that seems possible. accurate. Okay. Are you are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> this is the MCU. It goes through Atlantis. <laughs> and not yet. It doesn't. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It goes through Aquaman's Atlantis. <laughs> and just completely. I saw confused. the trailer for that today. I'm actually kind of intrigued. 
Uh, yeah, I'm withholding my judgment, but it doesn't look terrible. Right. It looks a little wonky, but I mean, I might be down for all the fish and armor and stuff in the big war. <laughs> One of them uh, in the trailer looked like a Mosasaurus, and I was like, um, extinct much? Well, yeah, but I mean, in the comics, uh, the Aquaman comics, there's like Megalodons and stuff. So, plus, you know, people living underwater, also not real. So I think I can suspend my disbelief a little bit. All right. <laughs> you <laughs> make a, a bit, fair point. A <laughs> the, the man talks to fish. Come on. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was intrigued by that. I know we're going on a tangent, but I, I was intrigued by that trailer too. Um, like, he was one of my favorite parts of the uh, Justice League movie. Actually, with the Justice League movie, if they just removed Batman and Superman, I would have liked that movie way, way oh, more. Oh, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. I don't know. I think they could have done more with Cyborg, too. If Just the Flash, Aquaman, and Wonder Woman. I wanted to just see that movie. <laughs> well, maybe someday. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> when Ben Affleck quits and Henry Cavill quits and then... They just, nope, we'll just go with these three, the only good ones. <laughs> yeah, works for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we found Howard Stark. Woohoo! Woo! He was on a train all the way from Europe. <laughs> uh, so um, moving on, um, uh, pretty much right after that. So Carter is now trying to sneak uh, Stark into into her place, into the Griffith. Mm-hmm. Um because they need a safe house for him. Um, they tried to go to a safe house, but apparently the SSR had that, had all of those houses, or at least the one that he knew uh, under surveillance. So they seem to have probably yeah, he, all of them in the city. They actually mentioned that that uh, he, they were probably watching all of his um, spare houses and all his shell companies and stuff for Howard after Kaminsky mm-hmm. died. Although their stakeout's not very good because a car, their car drives down the street and they don't even turn their heads right. to see who's coming. <laughs> Stupid. It's like, my car's looking forward. I got to look forward the whole time. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, so they try to, to get uh, Stark into, into the building. Uh, Carter is almost caught by... Uh, Miriam and I, I was never sure is she the owner or the caretaker or do they do they just never say is it one of those I things? think she's just the caretaker yeah I think I think Miriam would believe it's improper for a woman to own property at the time just because she's that type of woman mm-hmm. <laughs> that is a good point okay so okay so she's the caretaker or at least the lady in charge of in, mm-hmm. of whatever it is that she does exactly uh yeah so she almost catches carter so alicia i think you had a few things you wanted to say about this i yeah i just it was her, her sneaking him in and going up the uh the uh oh god it's like the dumb the, waiter yeah thank you that's the order i was looking for the dumb waiter um is very amusing and very uh definitely telltale-esque a very children hiding from shit that they know they're not supposed to be doing or in like horror movies that that's how they get away sort of thing um mm-hmm. in fact i think they used it in the most recent jurassic world they did do it yeah <laughs> so like i was just well, i was sitting there going wow howard stark's a child and i went you know what that's accurate in so many ways 
Yeah. My thought automatically goes to when someone's in a small space like that of the original Jurassic Park when uh, the girl uses her reflection to trick the raptor. It's not a dumb waiter. She's like in that cabinet. But that's where my mind goes to every time. I didn't think about that. But yeah. Anyway, it just reminds me like kids and horror movies or at least suspenseful sort of scenes for movies. And I was like, this is not one of those. But it just reminds me of Howard Stark being a child and uh, <laughs> and then I thought about that and giggled to myself because yeah that that would be Howard Stark where does Tony get it oh wait <laughs> yeah. oh, it's true so, but I, I like the fact that uh, he she, he makes it all the way up and then Mir- Miriam finds Piggy down there pulling it up and she goes oh I was just putting my laundry up there and she gets to her door and she goes your laundry and I'm like oh he's not going to be in there She's going to have actual laundry in there. I don't know how he's going to get actual laundry in there, but he's going to have actual laundry in there. And then sure enough, I was like, ha, see, I knew it. Yeah, although it was a nice trick that, you know, he's in a woman's room because that's Howard Stark. I kind of rather her unzip the thing and Howard's just like curled up in there in the um, laundry bag. (laughs) That would have been hilarious. I don't think Peggy would have been able to lift it, though, unfortunately. Yeah, that's true. But it would have been hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway, uh, then we find out... Um, ah, great. Now, I, I was really... You know, this was one of those times where I was really hoping I'd, like, look at my notes right at the right time, as I was saying. But no, unfortunately, now I have to have this whole, like, side tangent as I um, <laughs> crappily find exactly in my notes the next thing that I wanted to say, which is... That now Carter and Stark are chatting in um, inside of Carter's Hooray. apartment. Yep, and uh, and so then Stark gives Carter a camera pen, ooh, mm-hmm. which is so cool. <laughs> Though I'm pretty sure not possible at the time frame. No, but well, neither are flying cars in our world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he does mention it took him a long time to figure out the lens miniaturization. Which, when I think right. of the word miniaturization, which I can barely say. Um, I think Hank Pym, and I was trying to figure out, I was searching to see, like, how old he is, but he would be, like, if he's alive, he'd be, like, a little kid at this time, so, Hank maybe? Pym? Yeah, because he was, like, in the 80s, he was, like, 30 years younger than um, Stark in that flashback scene being an Ant-Man. Uh, okay. So, yeah, I was hoping we'd have a connection, but probably not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah I was wondering about the whole camera pen, but I decided, eh, it's just, you can uh, explain it away with just, eh, it's the MCU, why not? Right, it's a different <laughs> universe, they got shit together because they had Howard Stark first. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, um, with this, uh, the find out also part of the reason Stark wanted to, or Stark came back, is because he needs to find out which weapons exactly uh, the SSR got their hands on. So mm-hmm, he needs mm-hmm. pictures from Carter. That's why she has the camera pen and all that stuff. So, how, how does he know that the SSR has this stuff? Jarvis. Yeah, I had so, assumed that that they were that Jarvis had kind of told him. Yeah, okay, I so if Jarvis Jar- has a way to contact him. If Jarvis has. The- a way to contact him. Oh, we do know that because he talked to him in the car phone. Yep. Um, why did he, um, Howard, have to come back to New York? Couldn't he just tell him over the phone? Yeah, I, I, I don't have a way to explain <laughs> that one either. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. All right, I got nothing other than he needed to bring the camera pen. You can mail that. 
Yeah, okay. All right. They, they don't <laughs> x-ray packages back then. All right. All right, yeah, you got me. I got nothing. <laughs> okay. Right. So, Another hole day. poked right in this plot. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. All right, so the next day or two hours later, I'm really not sure, given the hours mm-hmm. Carter's been having the, this past season. Um, right. So she uh, gets into work and... Um, Let's see. So, man, I am really bad about my notes. I'm so sorry. Uh, anyway, right. so uh, yeah, so we see uh, Carter go, and she starts actually taking pictures. Uh, she goes into the lab where all the uh, uh, lab coat scientist people are, uh, and we see two different colors of fire in just as many minutes. Basically, mm-hmm. we see people uh, not able to understand Stark tech. Basically, <laughs> they're not yeah. Stark. Therefore, that's not a thing. <laughs> Again, yeah, I mean, I love how they can't figure out what this stuff is supposed to do. Like that thing, the guy hits the switch, um, electric uh, uh, shock goes up his arm and melts his glasses. Is it supposed to do that? I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, but it's neat and yet, ow. <laughs> yeah. Um, you got... Uh, you notice that she's taking pictures with a camera pen with the world's loudest click. Right. I think that's I like, like um... four times louder than a regular size camera. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how does he not hear this? <laughs> I'd, I'd like that. She goes, click, and the guy goes, what the hell was that? <laughs> Just afraid something else exploded or he's about to get shocked. <laughs> right. <laughs> or maybe enough of those things already click and he's just scared all the time anyway. Oh, <laughs> I, I'd be scared if this were my job. <laughs> Man, I'm getting way too uh, uh, apologetic this episode. I'm just trying to think of reasons for anything. I gotta, all right. <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, um, so Carter gets all those pictures. She escapes um, and probably at some point gets the lunch she was supposed to. Does she do that regularly? Because she... Sounds like she keeps doing that, right? It's the thing they keep going back to. I'm never actually sure if she does that or not because they never show her. I'm pretty sure she does. Okay. (laughs) Or they just think she's bad at that job too. (laughs) (laughs) Or that, yeah. Uh, All right. So um, later that day, um, Carter and Stark develop the pictures, uh, and then they find out that um, uh, one of the uh, bad babies uh, is active. The Blitzkrieg button. <gasps> so it's uh, effectively an EMP based off of what Stark said. A very right? big mm-hmm. EMP. Yep. Yeah, huge. <laughs> so that's uh that has you know some uh catastrophic uh potential right there. Mm-hmm. Um so that's that's all bad. And so now uh Carter has to go get it. <laughs> so um yeah, so basically the next scene, Carter and Jarvis are chatting in a car ride and Jarvis is uh, really squirrely, and Carter is definitely noticing he's he's lying. Yeah. Um, he's got one of those obvious tells that I don't think people really have in real life at all. Right. <laughs> Where, like, they rub their ear every time they're nervous or something. I've n- I mean, I know people who have tells, like, especially with small children, but that's usually, like, something with their eyes or something. Nothing – I've never noticed something with their hands, like – putting their hands through their hair or something. It's just a little too obvious, something you only see on TV. Yeah, I, I, so this is something I always wondered. Like, is this one of those things that, like, is, 
like is that actually true do people do that thing or is this something because on tv like we're basically trained to look for things that are kind of small and like at the beginning of the episode we saw jarvis do that and so mm-hmm. I, I think carter also made like some noticing motion when when he did like like oh that's a thing i gotta look out for and so we as the audience are now looking out for that specifically because that was something in this TV show I watched years ago, Lie to Me. Like it was basically about that, about finding people. The, I love that their show. Lies and their tales and that kind of thing. Oh yeah, it was oh, it was a great show. Um, but uh, anyway, and, and I kind of wondered, like, is this one of those things that we just never notice at all? Because what is it like? We as humans, we touch our face every other minute or some crazy. I don't know what the statistic is, but it's something like that. And I never notice when people do that. Yeah. I feel like that's a lot. I don't know what statistic either is either, yeah. but <laughs> it's a lot. It's it's some high number. I don't know. It's every mm-hmm. ten minutes, I got nothing. Well, of course, now that I said that, I'm touching my face and scratching everything. So <laughs> I'm sure other people are too. We might as well just add other things to it, right? Like yawn. You might as well yawn right now. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I've been waiting a year to be able to say that. I've been waiting for the perfect time. And I ruined it with that. So, <laughs> I, But you got impatient and couldn't wait any longer for that time. Exactly. Exactly. Someday I'll tell people to yawn again. And we'll see if, if people yawn. Or if people complain to us that they're yawning. If you're yawning right now, tell us on Twitter or something else. You're calling. Not I a rock you're not, I, window. I hope people aren't yawning. I hope they're not bored by right. this. But <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, did we skip over Peggy going down to dinner? Uh, we did. Yeah, I didn't see any notes for either of us wanting to talk about it, so I decided oh. to jump. But yeah, no, if we want to talk about it, yeah, that's a, that's a whole little section of the episode. Well, this whole show is about like super inventions, and we're going to skip right over chicken pockets and gravy purses. I think the <laughs> if these women lived at the same time as Tony Stark, they'd be working for Stark Industries as like inventors. Right. These are brilliant ideas. <laughs> To be fair, they are, right? I mean, how... <laughs> you've got to you've gotta have, like, TARDIS-like uh, clothing to hide an entire chicken and not no one <laughs> right? be able to tell. <laughs> well, in addition to that, like, I don't know what women's clothing was like back then, but I know a little bit about it now, and, and I know that there are a lot of women who are incredibly happy that now, j- just to have pockets in general, Oh my god, so true. <laughs> so true. And even then the pockets aren't always big enough for like especially like our jeans. Not they aren't like guys' pants where you can like fit your whole hand into your front pocket. That ain't happening with women's jeans. Yeah. Could you imagine having jeans big enough that you can fit a whole chicken in there? And have another <laughs> Yeah, I've worn cargo pants. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I used to uh, bike when I was going to college. I used to bike to my classes and have my entire water bottle in my cargo shorts. It was glorious. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to point out some amazing inventions these women had. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, uh, what is it? Necessity is the mother of all invention. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, they... Also laziness, but okay. <laughs> I feel like laziness is a little on the opposite side. Yeah, but no, I mean... <laughs> I, I think of like when people invented their remote control, it was just because they were too lazy to walk up and change a TV channel. Accurate. I think it's other people's laziness. It's what caused them <laughs> to invent it. <laughs> that does work. Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> 
Alrighty, so now that we rewound, fast forwarding a little bit more in the episode, uh, we mm -hmm. see Carter uh, sneaking into the SSR and, and replacing the Blitzkrieg button with the fake one she got from Stark. Yeah. Yeah, and so I believe it was it was here, right? Yeah, she decides to press it and finds out that it's not actually an EMP. It just has blood inside. Yeah, but... And also, you know, she doesn't know it's blood, but she also finds out that it doesn't have just one button like he told her it did. Oh, yeah. that's what she noticed. I, I didn't I didn't realize what exactly it was that she like why she decided to press the button. So I, I guess I missed that. Cool. It was a combination between that and Jarvis's uh tell, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which proves that Peggy could have brought down all of the New York power grid just because Jarvis had an itchy ear. She doesn't know <laughs> <laughs> he could have legitimately been scratching his ear and she could have destroyed everything. <laughs> yes. Man, good thing his tell wasn't, like, yawning or something. Well, yeah, well, then again, she could have ended everything if they did it early in the morning or late at night. I think that's a pretty big risk to take on an itchy, itchy ear. She should have taken it out of town or something, just in case. <laughs> right. <laughs> but this well, is the woman who tried to defuse the nitronine bomb in her apartment. So she doesn't think things through. Also true. That's true. Well, if she's going down, everyone's going with her. Okay, that's that's definitely something to think about for her character now. Yeah, she she's not going to fail. But if she does fail, she's taking the entire city of New York with her. All right, that's a good reason to not fail. Mm -hmm. All right, so uh, right after that, Carter um, she's trying to leave. She ends up hiding in the interrogation room, uh, and who's in there? Uh, Agent Chad Michael Murray, uh, who says something sexist, so she leaves. Which was really interesting. Like it, it's like she was banking on that. Like she was just kind of ready. Like she, because I don't think she had a, a reason. I don't remember any reason for her, like saying why she was there so late and going into the interrogation room. They just started a conversation, and she got a really good reason to leave. So it's it's a nice reminder of her spy skills. You know, after mm -hmm. um, almost blowing up a city or or crippling an entire city. Yeah, she's uh, really lucky it wasn't like Sousa in there, because he would have been nice and charming, and then she'd have no excuse to ever leave. She'd be screwed. <laughs> yeah. uh, one little thing that really gets on my nerves, other than, you know, Agent Thompson's blatant sexism and stuff like that, he keeps calling her Marge, and that pisses me off. <laughs> right. Which I know Peggy... Yeah, Peggy is short for Margaret, somehow. But I really don't like that he doesn't call her Peggy, or even Margaret. Yeah, because it's not—I mean, it's not the name she's choosing to go by. So yeah, yeah, it's like calling like if someone was was named Richard and wanted to go by the name Richard, but instead someone else just kept calling him Dick. Like that yeah. would be that'd be kind of rude and possibly mm -hmm. an yes. insult, depending on how they're choosing <laughs> to say that. I guess some inflection That's of true. the tone. <laughs> True. Or as a child, when someone wanted to be called Antonio, and all everyone kept calling him Tony until it stuck thirty years later. That was man. That guy sad. must have been a horrible person. Yeah, yeah. I wish I knew where that guy was. I, I think he's probably <laughs> three thousand miles away now. Some probably bitch. something. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, You're not. I was in no. I was in no way talking about Al. <laughs> No. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right. Uh, so so uh, after this, um, Carter gets home and confronts Stark uh, about the blood vial because 
I get the feeling she has a general idea what's in there because uh, she kind of gets really upset even before Stark even says that it's Captain America's blood. <gasps> yep. They can clone Steve. <gasps> Which doesn't make her happy, I'm sure, because no. No. Steve was special for her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I... I... I, I gotta say, I don't know if I disagree with Stark on this case, because he had a really good reason. It's this blood that could potentially save people from so many diseases or other things. Yep. And yeah, it has yeah. military uses, potentially, but, uh, you know, medical uses are also really good, too. Yeah, and I get that she's mad, but she shouldn't be surprised. In the movie, she took the blood samples herself. Right. She knows there are Steve's blood samples out there. So, <laughs> I think she... I don't know if she's overreacting, but I'm surprised by her reaction. Yeah, that yeah, that makes sense. Um, uh, you know, she... I, I, I guess her reaction is more like... Um, like, oh, Stark, you're, you're in this predicament that I'm trying to save you from. But here you are doing, like all of this stuff which is just for you that kind of thing so she had this great line during this argument um the the quote was you're the kind of man who says i love you to a woman willis looking over your shoulder at a mirror mm -hmm. and and so you know that that's the you know the part of her like you know basically saying all right stark you you kind of have this god complex um you think you're not gonna uh, screw things up but you probably will uh, also, I love that line because it it uh, it just it kind of reminds me of that one Thor had in the Avengers when we were talking about that when he and Loki were talking on that mm -hmm. mountain. Um, but uh, anyway, back to this. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it it makes sense to me that she's she's all angry. Um, mm -hmm. It makes me think: is um, like the potential of the cures in uh, Steve's blood or Steve's possibly body is that the real reason uh howard was looking for him so hard at the end of the first avenger no i think he generally cared about him yeah okay. I, I i'd be with that too yeah i mean i don't know, actually know how much he and how much stark and cap worked together um there were like what two three scenes of them together in the same room uh yeah but we don't see the whole time they're at war yeah <laughs> i mean yeah. he fought for like three years uh, steve did so i'm pretty sure he got pretty close with both howard and um I'll be no Peggy, but yeah. Okay, so there were, there were probably things like, hey, we need to do this mission. Start, can you make a cool gizmo to help us with something? I 100% believe that's what happened. Yeah. Hmm. That makes sense. Or any, okay. anything they got from Hydra, they'd bring to Stark too. <laughs> that's true. There was that line where, uh, what was it? He was experimenting with the, uh, was it the one of the bullets from the the weapon that comes from the Tesseract? And it blew mm -hmm. up and he said, write that down. <laughs> right. <laughs> write that down. <laughs> write that down. <laughs> the only thing between science and screwing around. <laughs> is writing it down. That's a great line. I've never heard that one before. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> gotta, gotta remember that one. All right. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> All right, so anyway, um, that all ends. Uh, Carter punches Stark because she's all pissed. Um, he leaves, and um, the next scene is <laughs> uh, Carter and Jarvis uh, are, are talking um, while walking down the street. Um, and uh, Jarvis uh, 
so they 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 talk in and then then Carter leaves. Uh, so then uh, then uh, Jarvis and Stark are talking. Uh, Jarvis says, uh, "Yeah, she's a." Uh, She's not happy about what happened here. Uh, and then they, mm-hmm. they converse. They talk about it. Yeah. Um, I did notice that Howard's hiding in public, which is not a great hiding right. spot. But he's also <laughs> not wearing a cap. So I don't understand how the SSR doesn't find him immediately. Right. Because <laughs> we know who does find him. Stan Lee. Right. I was so entertained by seeing Stanley. I was like, ah, that's hilarious. We, we see him in literally probably a hundred movies by now, and we're always still excited whenever he shows up. Right. So <laughs> Every time. Hey, is this is this the first time we've seen him in a TV show? I know it's the only only the no, second MCU sh- show. but He showed up on the train in um, that one episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's right. Okay, that was that was like the fourth or fifth episode, right? Or at least somewhat early in the first season. Yeah, it was uh it was like my favorite episode before the Winter Soldier, where they kept going back and showing different points of view on the train. So yeah, I think it okay. was at least in the somewhere in the first ten at least. Okay. Got it. Yeah, yeah okay. Cool. <laughs> Alrighty. Um yeah, so then uh then we get to well pretty much the end of the episode, uh and Carter just hides the America blood inside of her wall. <laughs> yep. Hopefully Vita rays don't hit it. Or her, <laughs> they're going to have a very muscular wall. <laughs> oh, that'd be interesting. It just starts leaking. Um, <laughs> I'm really blood? curious about That's this. terrifying. Like, like, like what? <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of curious. I mean, I don't, I don't want to jump ahead, but I, I don't remember what ends up happening with this. If she keeps it, or if it just stays there, and in the second episode or a second season, like, or even in her future, does she just always hold on to it? Like, I'm, I'm curious what ends up happening with this. For now, it's just in her wall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we're lucky it's not like Hulk blood because we know from the Incredible Hulk, you look at the blood in a microscope and it like expands when it gets the blood right. gets angry. So, <laughs> what well, also just kills you for for drinking it right, right. that was the one where uh, stan lee uh, dies because he drank yeah. a, what was it a, just a drop of blood in the soda a, just a drop yep mm-hmm. like half a drop i remember that cg drop splitting in two so <laughs> accurate mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah all righty so that was um the longest or the the most core storyline part mm-hmm. uh, of the episode storyline so, a yeah <laughs> storyline um so now we've got the other three and they're way way uh shorter Shorter. at least so um yeah and and we're pretty much going in order of length in the episode i guess um now that i think about it um so anyway storyline b uh is uh the whole thing with the the two ssr agents Dooley and thompson um basically trying to get the uh get some more information because they're looking into uh kraminsky's death uh, and trying mm-hmm. to you know get some more information about that why did he die who killed him etc all that fun stuff mm-hmm. so um Dooley and, and thompson are, are basically just chatting in uh in Dooley's office I, I keep forgetting uh Dooley is the the guy is in the charge, chief right yep. yes okay got it thompson is agent chad michael murray ah okay there we go that's what threw me off because I was, I was wondering like the name thompson looks familiar why did i write that down in my notes i usually <laughs> I usually just write down H. Chad Michael Murray, which is copy paste because I'm typing it. If I was yeah. actually handwriting, yeah, there's no way that that would happen. 
Agent CMM. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, this is where Dooley basically says he's leaving. He's going to go talk to uh, Colonel Ernst Mueller in Germany, uh, and he mm-hmm. leaves uh, Thompson in charge. Yeah, um, a little bit about Miss, uh, Colonel Mueller. Mm-hmm. He's from the comics, too. Oh. He was one of the evil Howling Commandos. He was a member of Baron Wolfgang von Strucker's Blitzkrieg Squad. <laughs> <gasps> Yeah, and that's all I really know about him. But I was just excited <laughs> that there was a Blitzkrieg squad. Great. <laughs> all right. Uh, okay, so I think I I did uh, mistakenly uh, or made a mistake when I when I started this section plot line B. Um, I said that this, this was a uh, Thompson and Dooley. It's a uh, Thompson and Sousa who are ah. in this part. So mm. Dooley's Dooley's whole thing is that's going to be plot line C. So that that whole trip and everything. So anyway, plot line right. B, this one is Thompson and Sousa trying to well, interrogate and get information. Forget what I said about the Blitzkrieg squad, then I'll bring that up later. Oh. <laughs> All right. Mueller. I have already forgotten. Mueller is with Dooley. All right. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, here at the SSR, we see um, Agent Thompson is uh, kind of bringing down the hammer. He's like he has his, his shot to lead now and he's telling everyone, all right, you're working overtime you're doing all this he's giving everyone assignments he's i i kind of wonder if this is him just trying to to prove he can uh, get results while the boss is actually gone right mm-hmm. i think that's what it is prove he's up for the job in case anything happens yeah and he goes a little beyond what he needs to because he actually goes in and promotes Souza to the biggest yo-yo after kreminski's death mm-hmm. I don't think he's qualified to make promotions. Don't think he is either. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did it, I guess. I I, I kind of wonder what happens once uh, once Dooley gets back. Like, hey, I'm I'm biggest yo yo now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and don't you think, like, literally, what the day or two days after the Kaminsky died, he's kind of making like backhanded compliment or not compliments, but comments. To about Kaminsky calling him a big yo-yo, mm-hmm. so I think that's a little unrealistic. I think they, even though Kaminsky was a yo-yo and a doofus, they would still be a little more respectful of the guy who just died. Yeah, that's true. Probably I don't even know if he's he's even had the the funeral yet. Yeah, because you said what a, just a couple of days, so it's probably you know within a few more days until the, the actual funeral. So yeah, it's uh it's still like super fresh on the minds. Hmm. So yeah. So anyway, uh, now uh, new yo-yo uh, goes and uh, actually has a great idea. Starts investigating the payphone at the docks to uh, uh, that was used to to call them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't actually tell. Did because Agent Thompson told him not to go do that, but Susan does it anyway. Um, so does this mean that like he has no like if this didn't actually work? Would he, would Thompson, you know, now trying to, you know, like I said, bring down the hammer, would he have tried to, like, punish him in some way? Or would he have just been like, eh, all right, whatever. I trust you enough, that kind of thing. I'm kind of curious how much this, how much and how fast the power went to his head. Well, he thinks, like, even when he brings the homeless guy in, he doesn't think he found anything, and really he didn't. He just uses it as an opportunity to bully Sousa some more. So I think it's more him just being an asshole than him oh. having the power go to his head. 
Okay, so it's more of us just getting some information about the character. Yeah, I think okay. so. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Susa does get some information, at least, a little bit from the docs. Uh, he sees the two homeless men there and uh, asks if they saw, and um, he's incredibly lucky that, yeah, one of them actually did see mm-hmm. um, someone there. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so it was uh, Frank and George. Yeah. Uh, as usual, I got a little bit of information about the actors who play Frank and George. Um, George is uh, played by a guy named John Bishop, um, who his only like nerdy credit is he is unnamed individual number eleven in the Ghost in the Shell anime. Oh, which I love that <laughs> they named the character. That. It's not just like uncredited or additional voices like they have in a lot of animation. It's unnamed individual number eleven. That's hilarious. <laughs> and that's the guy who um they actually brought in. Frank, the other guy, is actually he's been in a little more stuff. His name's uh Tim Desarn. And have either of you seen Cabin in the Woods? Mm, yes. No, I don't think I have. I highly recommend it. But um mm-hmm. the guy who warns them, the Harbinger, you know, who says that they're all going to die right before they leave at the gas station. Mm-hmm. That's this guy. He also plays uh, MJ's father in the original Spider-Man movie. Oh. And then he plays three different or four different characters in three different Star Trek TV shows. Wow. Yeah. Because, oh. <laughs> you know, Star Trek, they don't care about continuity. Accurate. <laughs> yeah. And also, George won the hand. So I'm very proud of him. Probably got like four or five whole nickels. Ooh. Ooh, that's, that's quite a bit back then. I think I, I don't actually know. Yeah, I don't know either. Yeah, I. I it, it's interesting. I just assume that any amount of money back then that was more than a penny was a lot because I have no idea how how much inflation actually messed with things over over quite the a decades. Bit. I did not look for I did not look for nickels, but in the next episode, I did look at inflation for something else. So it's about. T- 10 times as much, a little over 10 times as much. So a nickel is like Five bucks? 50 cents? No, you're right. 50 cents. No, that'd be 100 times as much. <laughs> Remember, we don't do math. <laughs> Remember that whole football field kabobble? <laughs> and this is where I'm glad my parents don't listen to this because they would shoot me. <laughs> yeah, they would. <laughs> you want to hear something scary? Huh. Sometimes I teach math. Ooh. <laughs> it's all right. I'm, they're they're young. They probably forget. <laughs> I'm what's wrong with the California education oh. system. I'm sorry. <laughs> <sighs> all right. Yeah. <laughs> all, right. all right. So moving on, or, or yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, so moving on. Um, yeah. So Agent uh, Sousa brings in uh, George, uh, the homeless man, and interrogates him. So him and Agent Thompson kind of. Uh, go back and forth on trying to interrogate him, try to get some information. Um, and eventually they do. They get all of the information that he knows. Uh, they try to uh, bribe him with the, uh, was it, sandwich and mm-hmm. alcohol. And in the end, all he wanted was yep. the alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and uh, it reminded, when he came in with the hamburger, it reminded me of um, the general coming in in the, the first Avenger trying to bribe, uh, what's his name, with steak, Armin mm-hmm. Zola. It's like, what's in it? <laughs> Cow! Right. <laughs> mm, now I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> huh? 
same here. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So the the you know, this is interesting because it's um, you know normally they don't really show like deep things within uh, within some of the the MCU like the movies and TV shows uh, at least on the the stuff that we're seeing you know the, yeah, the mainstream movies and the ABC TV shows you know like these uh, but they they got a little. A little deep with the uh, you know that soul because the the guy was a soldier and you know he comes back uh, just wants alcohol and I think that's also part of the uh, making I don't want to say a dig at homeless people but you know that's also another thing mm-hmm. too right well yeah you hear a lot about that like uh, veterans coming back from Vietnam but obviously it must have happened during World War Two and whatnot mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Uh, so that move on from there, and um, finally, uh, we get to the the end of uh, part storyline part B here. Um, and Sousa decides, hey, you know, I have that picture of the blonde mystery woman. What if her hair was darker, like the homeless man said? <laughs> yep, and he's one step closer to figuring it all out because Peggy's the only woman with dark hair in all of New Apparently. York City. <laughs> And that's it. So that concludes storyline B. Uh, storyline C, uh, again, a little bit even smaller than the previous one. So this is Agent Dooley, uh, our SSR agent in charge. Uh, and he goes out to Germany to ch- uh, chat with uh, Colonel Mueller. Um, now, that name sounds a little familiar. Tony, do you know anything about Colonel Mueller? Yes, actually, Al. He was part <laughs> of uh, the Blitzkrieg squad, the evil version of the Howling Commandos. Oh. So, in case, you know. <laughs> you forgot from 30 seconds ago oh okay good to know <laughs> uh anyway so this was a, an interesting um conversation um colonel Mueller actually has a a pretty good sense of humor um considering he's about right? to die i guess yeah about to be put to death um, and he's got a good humor i mean yeah yeah so i forget how how long after the war is this taking place like i'm about a year um because wasn't it like a few episodes ago it was like april or something about spring in new york in in 1946 and uh the european um war ended in april of 45 and then the japanese war ended in august of 45 Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so he's been in jail for roughly a year, somewhere in that time point mm-hmm. or time frame. And um yeah, he's okay to die, I guess. I'm I'm, not, I'm really not sure. Or if he's just gone insane. It was a little unsure. Anyway, it was a it was a nice fun um He's had enough things. time to come to terms <laughs> with what this is gonna what's gonna happen. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. get the feeling that he's insane. <laughs> no. <laughs> He seemed uh, pretty all together. Uh, yeah, so uh, Dooley's there, and he just wants to get some information, uh, and he offers a way out to help him um, escape, basically, he says. Uh, to basically provide his own way of choosing his own death sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, helps him at least uh, use a cyanide capsule instead of a noose. Uh, and Which... so he... Uh, which isn't even a cyanide capsule. <laughs> yeah, the mint. Oh, that was great. I, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" When I saw that later, I was like, "Oh, that was a nice." But but then again, that guy's the guy's a Nazi. Later. The guy's a Nazi. I know, but <laughs> so. at the same point, it's like, "Oh, you no, that's bad." <laughs> 
also even before i found that out you i you realize that cyanide isn't painless um at least the story no, but it's quick yeah the story goes like hitler was going to do cyanide and then he gave it to his dog and it looked like the dog suffered so he was too afraid and shot himself in the head mm. so yeah <laughs> All but right. don't all um, do not all for Nazis. <laughs> Just like do not feel sorry for them. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Um all right, so he, he gets some information about the Battle of Fennel. There was no Battle of Fennel. <gasps> bodies. <gasps> and that's pretty much it. That's all the information we got there. So that was no. a long flight out to Germany for, for, for practically nothing. Yeah. yeah, pretty much for like ten minutes if of conversation, if that, maybe. Maybe mm-hmm. there's some stuff they cut out. Um but yeah, that's about it. So yeah. then Agent Dooley flies back home, um, gets back to the office pretty late. He's chatting with I forgot who he was chatting with. They didn't write that down. Um, but he sees the magic typewriter he was, receiving. He was chatting message. with uh Thompson. Ah, Agent Thompson. Okay. Remember, there's only four people there now that Kaminsky's dead. It's Dooley, Thompson, Sousa, and Peggy. All the other people have no <laughs> names and do not do any work. Oh, and the guy whose face got, or his glasses melted off his face. He's very important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Alrighty. Uh, so that concludes uh, storyline number three. Sorry, storyline C. And finally, on to the last one. My favorite of these um of these storylines just because it meant nothing basically um <laughs> it had one little was, reveal at the end <laughs> yeah exactly and that's all it was for it was great i enjoyed that and it, like these scenes were just peppered throughout the episode um so um right at the beginning of the episode we meet mr mink who is the mm-hmm. uh smuggler basically the the leader of those those creepy guys that were uh, uh basically smuggled tony stark in um mm-hmm. and so he was the one who wanted to um, basically, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm really not entirely sure what his plot was, like what his end goal was really at the end. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. basically the, the smuggler guys or the two henchmen come up to him uh, during one scene and uh, he doesn't believe them what their story was because i think they were saying oh yeah it was a, a really big guy or like 10 guys or something that no, uh, I, I watched this episode right before we recorded and he was like <laughs> jarvis he brought a girl and like six and seven guys <laughs> <laughs> so um anyway so uh during this, those two henchmen. Now, I I checked this, um, not on purpose. It just kind of happened to to come up. Um, the characters' name, those two smugglers, uh, their mm-hmm. actual, uh, I believe their actual names were Large Smuggler and Larger Smuggler. I don't remember so, if that so was they the were, official name. They were mm-hmm. brothers, the Smuggler brothers, Large and Larger. Ah, was that <laughs> it? Did they actually say that? I I no, genuinely no, don't they remember. Did not. No. Oh, okay. All right. I I don't remember. I I wrote these notes too long ago for me to remember. Um, I've been watching these on uh, on Amazon, um, like Amazon Prime Video, and so when you when you hit pause, it like shows you that you know who are the characters in here, and I'm I'm ninety percent sure that that's what it said for these two henchmen. It was a large smuggler and larger smuggler. It's probably. <laughs> 
might be that. Or I'm just being stupid. Anyway, <laughs> but my notes are littered with large smuggler and larger smuggler. So uh, Mr. Mink uh, doesn't believe them and decides to kill the smaller of the two of them. Mm-hmm. So that was an interesting gun. Yeah. It. The, another thing that reminds me of another uh, movie, him using the gun reminds me of... Uh, the red skull using his laser gun where he he shoots one guy kills him and then he's like he has to fiddle with it and talks calmly and meanwhile the other guy's kind of freaking out (laughs) (laughs) and freak out he does yep (laughs) Uh, that's a cool looking gun but it's a huge waste of ammo oh so much huge waste of ammo because uh, you could kill a guy with maybe two bullets but that thing shot like 15 into him (laughs) If you if you need to guarantee that someone's going down, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's about it. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but man, your your aim better be good, or you got to be close. But ooh, all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. Uh, all right, coil would be terrible. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you, you're you're only getting the one one good shot. Yep. <laughs> Alrighty, uh, so then, much later in the episode, we see Mr. Mink again. Uh, he's trying to find Carter, basically. He he knows the building where she lives, uh, so he tries to get in there, tries to Go deliver flowers to her. Yeah, yeah. So that Somehow he knows where she lives. We right? don't get an answer of how he knows. No. <laughs> and we never will, which is sad. Uh-huh. So uh, he finds out the, her room number, at least, um, gets some information, and then leaves. Uh, and then later, he tries to actually break into the Griffith. Uh, so this is probably later at night. I don't know if we get a time frame, but probably dark time. Um, dark and time. so then he... Yep. <laughs> and whenever that is. Um, so uh, then he uh, tries to get into Carter's room. I don't remember. All I remember was Carter's assassin neighbor just killing him dotty very quickly yeah. yep dot dotty likes the gun she does she's like is that a semi was it semi-automatic pistol or something like that she's like oh, i want it yeah the weird thing is she's probably never done martial arts before in her life but she just is a really big fan of guns coming from kansas so mm-hmm. i don't know if kansas mm-hmm. i'm assuming kansas is as big in guns i think the whole middle of the country is <laughs> probably yeah, that's a stereotype. It's probably like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although, if I remember correctly, the U.S. state with the most guns per capita was, it was I want to say Washington. So not the middle of the country. No. Mm. Yeah. Stereotypes have failed me once again. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> <sighs> All right. So that's it. Uh, that is the entirety of that episode. Uh, Woo. I'm out of stuff to talk about. Do either of you two have anything? Mm, nope, I'm good. No, no, I'm also as good. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, everyone, in that case, uh, listen to us next week when we talk about Agent Carter Season 1, Episode 5, The Iron Ceiling. And as always, please remember to follow us on Twitter at MCU underscore Rewind. And please give us a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast app, assuming you like this. Otherwise, uh, semi-automatic pistol. Yeah, or yep. the or the uh, female <laughs> assassin living next door. That's what we got. <laughs> right. Somewhere we we have them. They're we, hidden. We have things. <laughs> yes. All right. This was the Marvel Cinematic Rewind for Agents 
eight god damn it, i'm still trying to say agents of shield agent carter season one episode four the blitzkrieg button signing off have a marvelous day